I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. You know, I have my pages of outrages uh, here, and there's there's so much to to go over. I'm just going to dig in. We're probably going to jump around a little bit. I have some uh, politics we should talk about, some crime stuff we should talk about, some cultural things we should talk about, and then I'm sure there's more that'll pop into my head as we go. So first of all, uh, we lost a couple of uh, people recently that I, I want to mention, and I, I'm doing this all seriousness. You know, our, our culture, our culture and our nation is really built around um, the culture of popularity. And when people have gained a, a level of fame or notoriety, they, they reach a different kind of a status. They're no longer just a regular person, and they're a, a person of, uh, up, what did my, my daughter call it the other day? A public figure. Now, that can be in a large scale. That can be a small scale. Right? But once you're out there in the public eye and people know about you, and you do or say things, whatever it is, you become someone that... You're part of the popular culture. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today, is how popular culture really is affecting everything that goes on in our, in our nation. So, Sheila Oliver was the lieutenant governor for the state of New Jersey. We didn't know much about her. She was the first African-American woman in our state government to hold some very high positions, and she was the lieutenant governor. Unfortunately, she passed away very suddenly after an unexpected illness at the age of 71. And I'm sure her family is is grieving uh, over the loss of her. Um, she was not uh, prominent out there in the world. Now, maybe she did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But we did not see a lot of the lieutenant governor. New Jersey's lieutenant governor job has some uh, administrative functions, but you don't see a lot of public appearances and, and public things from lieutenant governor. It's all about the governor. But I want to uh, send my condolences to her family uh, because she is from my state. Number two, another popular culture person that I wonder how many people, how many younger people know about this guy, but Pee Wee Herman. Right? Pee Wee Herman was a, a, that was his stage name, um, was a character from back in the 80s. Pee-wee's Big Adventure and a couple of different movies. Culturally, he became very, very popular. Uh, he died uh, of some cancer very recently. And he also got himself into some trouble. Uh, you know, that's the big joke about it, Pee-wee Herman. He was a guy dressed in a suit with a bow tie. And he, he was like a grown man. But he acted like a child, and he had this funny kind of voice thing that he did. But he did a show called Pee-wee's Playhouse, and apparently he taught some lessons, you know, to kids that it was popular with kids. Well, he died uh, recently after some, after a bout with cancer, and uh, he's on the cultural front. He's out there. So I wanted to uh, mention that we, we lost Pee-wee Herman. Uh, the trouble he got himself in is that, uh, you know, he was in a movie theater... In Sarasota, Florida, I think he lived down there, and he was watching a movie, and he was doing something inappropriate with himself in the movie theater, and he got caught and arrested, 
And that became the joke, you know, about Pee Wee Herman, which uh, until then he had been a, a popular cultish kind of a figure in America. But he is, uh, he's gone now. So let's see. On the cult front, and I don't mean occult, I mean cult. The cult of personality, the cult of personality drives much of our nation. Uh, the popular culture, the movie culture, the Hollywood culture, uh, right, right down to the, to the youngest kids in our community uh, are on social media. And they're posting things. They're doing what for? For likes. To go viral. I mean, that's the big thing, right? To go viral. Oh, you're viral. And why is it? Well, then you can make money. Then you have notoriety. Then you are somebody. You know, uh, fame. Fame is linked with fortune. As is popularity. And it makes... It's an intoxicating... It's an intoxicating brew. All of this. So, when, when I say that when you're a public figure... You, you, you are, it's, it's a different world. You know, I am a very, very, very minor public figure. Why? Because I have a, a, a radio show here. I'm on America Out Loud. And I have a radio show. This means I have a voice. That means people all across this country who listen to America Out Loud and listen to our show, they, uh, they get to hear me. They hear my points of view. They hear my thinking. They hear the opinions that I have. And people email me. They, they, they send emails, they send texts, I get tweets, or, or X's. I don't know what we call them now, tweets or X's. <coughs> Sorry about that. That was very loud. I apologize for that. Um, this cult of personality drives everything. And the reason I'm saying that, here I mentioned the lieutenant governor of the state of New Jersey, a, an important state, right? Whether you, whether you like New Jersey or not, it really is a beautiful place, by the way. Uh, we all see the Soprano pictures of North Jersey where the oil tanks and, you know, Hudson County and all that is. Uh, New Jersey, other than that, is beautiful. Mountains, streams, lakes, beautiful farmland, the Jersey Shore, uh, the Delaware River. It's really a very, very beautiful state and, and quite a nice place to go. But here we have this lieutenant governor that that was her popularity. She was the lieutenant governor. When you pull into the state, you see the sign, you know, Governor Murphy in New Jersey, welcome you. And then, you know, Lieutenant Governor Oliver is on there also. But when you look at what else affects uh, our lives, well, when it comes to politics, we are immediately affected by uh, the reality that name recognition will set some candidates way ahead. Now, I have to look at that and say that's the people of, of our nation are starstruck. That's really what it is. Um, and I'm not going to say that I am not prone to uh, being starstruck. I mean, I've met some famous people in my life, and it's kind of strange that you see somebody who is so famous in the world, and then there you are talking to them. And it, it's, it's like, it, it's kind of weird that that happens, but it depends. You might really like the person, you might not like them, and then it's not such a big deal. Oh, big deal. I met, uh, you know, I met uh, Joe Biden. Well, well, he's the president. Well, that would still be cool because he is the president of the United States. And to meet him would be, you know, how many, how many presidents have you met in your lifetime, right? So you'd meet a president. It might not be a good one, but he's the president. You met the president. But we're talking now name recognition for our political candidates. So in the Republican Party, 
we have Donald Trump, who's the biggest name in the Republican Party right now. And he's he's leading 51% in the polls. I think uh, Governor DeSantis is at 17%. And then after that, uh, they all they all drop off all the rest of them. Um, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, um, Vivek Rishwami, uh, and Chris Christie, and, and these, these kind of people. The, the, the race starts out ahead with name recognition because the average person hears the name and say, oh, I know that person. I don't know these other people. Instead of saying, well, I, who are these other people? Maybe, maybe I should learn about them. Maybe I should understand what they have to say uh, because then maybe I would like them better than the person with the big name recognition. So one of these people that we go through here I think is really amazing is Tim Scott. I think he is. Now, I had an argument with my youngest son, who's 20, and he says, well, I, I think Tim Scott seems like a nice guy, but I think he's I think he's less than conservative. And I said, well, what makes you think that? He goes, well, I don't hear him espousing any real conservative points of view. He's not sounding strong like Trump is. And I disagreed with him. I said, I think, I think he's a very smart man, and I think the fact that he is a conservative, a proud conservative, is really a good thing. The fact that he's an African-American guy on top of it is a good thing for the Republican Party. It shows that the outreach is there. It shows that it's not about race. It's about beliefs, right? How many people in the Republican Party really like Tim Scott? Does And that doesn't reflect in his poll numbers that he's got 3% or 4%. They're just saying, you know, they're looking at Trump. The majority want Trump. The next biggest group are looking at DeSantis. After that, at this time, for this election, everyone else is a cabinet member, maybe, or a vice presidential candidate or something like that. But this argument I, I had with my youngest, and I and strike that, it wasn't an argument, it was a discussion. Um, it was just interesting, his point of view, that, you know, well, we don't really know who Tim Scott is and Nikki Haley. You know, these people, they're not real conservatives, they're rhinos. Now, maybe that's a, a lack of... Uh, experience, I don't know. Maybe he's 100% correct. Uh, time will only tell. But the thing is, we don't really know these names. The name I keep hearing, though, is that, and I just heard this recently, Bill O'Reilly uh, was on, he was on a, a program, and he was making some pretty bold predictions. I'd like to get Bill on here uh, and talk to him. He doesn't believe that Joe Biden will be the actual nominee. He believes that by December, I think he said, uh, that Joe Biden will be, he, he will either drop out uh, on his own or his party will make it clear that he won't be the nominee and they'll put somebody else up. So, of course, the, the, the people we've heard about uh, are, are RFK, which has, he has 20%, I think, 18 to 20% of the vote, which is pretty good against a standing president. Or we've heard about Gaz, Gavin Newsom from California who I think is an empty suit and a big, big, dangerous liberal. But the name that came up, Bill Riley said, there are discussions going on right now in Martha's Vineyard to find a way to displace Joe Biden and run uh, Michelle Obama. And when when the host was saying, Michelle Obama, you, you think she would have a chance? And he he's Basically, his number was she starts out the out the entire thing without even declaring at 60 to 40. She would win the election 60 to 40. 
so many people are so in love with Michelle Obama that they would vote for her uh, just because of this, the way she's seen in such high esteem. She has people really look look to her uh, as a quality person and this, that, and the other thing. When I think about that, I've said many times that I think Michelle and Barack Obama look like they were good parents, uh, look like they were decent people. Uh, it's their policies that I disagree with. And I would think that she would just be the second or the third term of Barack, of her husband. And I think she'd be very liberal, and I think she'd be uh, a very poor choice for president. She would run the country into the ground, just like Joe Biden is, because of the Democrat policies, uh, you know, liberal policies that, that she would push. But there you go. There's my point. She has name recognition in the cult of personality. She's highly regarded. 60% of the country is forecast. 60% of the country would forget all the bad stuff about left-wing liberal policies. The damage that it causes to the country, the economic damage, the social damage, the cultural damage, forget about all those things and vote for her. We'd have her as president, and that would be great. And that reveals, I think, a problem in us, in the, in the electorate. Um, and again, it has nothing to do with that she's a female. It has nothing to do with she's an African-American female. None of that really matters anymore. What we look at is what are the policies that the person running would bring to, would bring to the table and how it would work in the country. So her policies, I would believe, would be just as bad as Joe Biden's, who's a white guy, and he's a terrible president. So race has, has no bearing on this whatsoever. But I, I found that that, you know, Bill O'Reilly's got a, he got a pretty good point of view on things. He's got a pretty good uh, pulse of what's going on. And for him to say that his numbers that he sees, that he's looking at, is that if she runs, she starts out, the election would be 60 to 40 in her favor, even if it was against Trump. Uh, Trump would have the hardest time against Michelle Obama. So, uh, you know, what do we do about that? What do we do about this cult of personality where these sports figures, people that play with a ball for a living, they have something to say uh, politically, socially, culturally, and everyone thinks, oh my God, they're so right, or movie stars, because they happen to have a lot of money. Uh, they have something to say, and therefore it's important when we listen to this person because they were in a couple of hit movies. It, 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 it speaks to, and I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say this, it's not lack of education as in school. It's a lack of education in what, what works and what doesn't work. To be so caught up in the cult of personality that you just see someone's fame as a reason to, uh, to look to them as though they have something important to say, I think is a problem. And I wanted to, I wanted to think about that for, for a little bit. I'll have more to say on that as we go by. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the bets are all in and out, whether Joe Biden will be the Democrat nominee or will he, will he have a health problem? Uh, will he have a legal problem? Will he get caught up in this thing, this maelstrom that's, that's building around him? And so let's, let's get into that for a little bit. So Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's friend and business partner, uh, testified recently. Now, there was a big deal about him testifying. 
he had to, uh, he went into hiding. No, I don't think he was actually hiding. He didn't like, you know, say he was in uh, California and he was in Oklahoma. He just stayed out of the public light for the last couple of weeks. And there was some controversy about what was going on. Uh, but he, he was, he was going to, he was going to tell, he was going to come forward and he was going to testify truthfully. That's what his attorney said. Uh, he's not going to make judgments on what happened. He was simply going to come to the committee and answer questions honestly. And, uh, and wherever the chips fall, they fall. So, first of all, just like our, our friends, our Democrat friends, when we had the whistleblowers coming forward, said that some of them have to go into hiding for fear of their life. And I questioned that. Why would you have to go into hiding for fear of your life if you had nonsense to tell? It was just nonsense. Unprovable or disprovable things that you were going to say about President Biden or Hunter Biden or anybody else in their orbit. If you didn't have any real information, why, why, would, somebody, why would somebody go to the lengths of killing someone to silence them if they really had nothing to say? Well, because obviously there is a lot to say. Now, I've been watching, we only have reports so far. We'll get the transcript eventually of what uh, Devin Archer had to say. Um, Sooner rather than later, I'm sure we will. We'll hear his full testimony. But the people that, that heard him testify, uh, the Republicans are saying he gave some very good information, damning information, tough information for the president. And the people on, uh, on the left are coming out and saying, he said nothing. He has nothing. He knows nothing. There's nothing. There's no evidence. There's nothing. I have to say, now I hope you've been noticing that in the last couple of episodes, where I, I would talk about something. And I would want to name the person that said it, and I couldn't think of their name, and I went out of my way to get the specific names. You know, Sheila Oliver, Lieutenant Governor of New Jersey. I want to make sure I give you those answers. I'm, I'm trying to trying to do be a good host. Uh, and Devin Archer. I couldn't think of his name the other day, but now I know his name. So I saw, and this guy, I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. I, I just didn't see it on the news, and, and I didn't read about him, but I saw him uh, come out of the room. He, he was a Democrat congressman. This guy looked so nervous. He looked, I mean, he, he was giving excuses for the Devin Archer testimony. Uh, apparently, Devin Archer said, uh, hey, Joe Biden was put on the phone at least 20 times to talk to Hunter's uh, business partners. And as they were making deals and convincing people that they had the power of the vice presidency there, because there's Joe Biden on the phone. Now, that goes totally against everything that uh, the White House has been saying, the president himself has been saying, his, his uh, spokesperson, Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, that the president absolutely had no contact, none, zero, zip contact with any of Hunter Biden's overseas, overseas uh, business uh, deals. He didn't know about them, he didn't know the people, and he had nothing to do with them. Well, in the past week, we see how we see how the media works in cahoots with our friends on the left. The uh, the spokeswoman, Corinne Jean, Jean Pierre, came out, and somebody asked a question. Now that they knew Devin Archer was going to come out and probably give up some things, that hey, yeah, Joe Biden was there, and I know I was Hunter's business partner, so I was in on the deals too. She came out and she changed the storyline from. The president doesn't know any of Hunter's business partners, never got involved with any of the deals, doesn't, never spoke to these people, to 
he never went into, he was never in business with these people. Now, in, in all of the teaching and lecturing and writing and everything I do, uh, when it comes to understanding other people, the words they say, what things mean, I say all the time, words mean things. And we remember, you know, I gave you an example with a, a, uh, a caricature of Bill Clinton. It depends on what is, is, right? And he was parsing his words down to the word is. Well, when the words change from absolutely not, I don't know any of his business partners. I never, I never ever spoke to my son about his overseas business deals. Uh, never even spoke to him. To change that to, I never went into business with him over his overseas business deals. Do you realize what a cataclysmic change that is in what the President of the United States has said? This changes the complete game. Right there is the proof. See, so one of the teach, things I teach in an interview class, I teach people how to conduct interviews, proper interviews. You have to understand the other person. You gotta understand what their motivations are. And the big thing that makes people um, react, use different words, different body language, all of that, is when they have jeopardy. Jeopardy, nor Jeopardy normally uh, uh, it comes down to they have something to lose. So in a criminal investigation, the person who's being interviewed by law enforcement, what they have to lose is their freedom. They're going to get arrested. They're going to get put in jail. So therefore, they are changing their words. They're changing their perceptions. They're changing their body language so that they not give themselves up and have to face the consequences of their actions. So it is Jeopardy that people have that will cause them to react. Their, their, their breathing will be different, all their body language indicators, and their words. So when we have somebody changing the words about the president's knowledge or involvement in something from absolutely no knowledge, no conversation, never spoke about it to was never in business with him, that is a major shift in what they were saying. So what they were saying with that line is that no matter the fact that I've said for the last several years that I have never ever talked to my son about his business over his business deals even though I've never ever talked to him and I've told you the American people that repeatedly every time I've asked I've never ever spoke to my son about his businesses and what he's doing never as incredible as that sounds that was the line to change it to not in business with, what that means is, yes, I did talk to my son about his overseas business deals. Yes, I did discuss these things with my son on multiple occasions. Yes, I was fully aware of what he was doing, but I wasn't involved in it particularly personally me. It was what he was doing, right? Do you see the difference there? Now, in, a, in, the, in the world of America 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you might have had a reporter whether it's a, a news TV reporter or a, a written reporter journalist, you might have had somebody ask a follow-up question, uh, such as, how come the story changed? And when Corinne Jean-Pierre says, oh, it's not changed, this is what the president has always said, you would say, no, no, that's not what he always, he always said he never even talked about it at all with his son. Now you're saying that he wasn't a partner with his son which obviously means, just like Lieutenant Joe just said, it means, yes, he was aware of it, yes, he did talk about it, even though he said he didn't. So what's the motivator? Why do people change words? This is the little lesson we're having today. 
Why do people change their words? Why do they change the parameters of their words? Because they have some kind of jeopardy. And what is the jeopardy? Well, the jeopardy is very, very clear. Um, Devin Archer was coming out to testify to the Congress. The business partner of uh, Hunter Biden. See, so nobody can now say, here's a guy that doesn't know. Guy has no involvement. Guy's from the outside looking in. Now, this is the guy that was there on the phone calls, in the meetings, and a partner with Hunter Biden, so he would know. So therefore, the jeopardy went way up, and therefore, they had to change the narrative before this information came out. And you're going to hear them, I don't think you're going to hear the president ever say again, I never, ever spoke to my son. That's going to be like something that never happened. Like he never said it. Because the only person that will bring that up to him, remember when I asked you this question uh, and you said to me would be um, uh, Peter Ducey, uh, the reporter from Fox. He's the only one that asks tough questions. The rest of them, the rest of the reporters, uh, TV and uh, print media, they don't ask any tough questions. They don't ask any follow-up questions. They don't... Uh, fact check anything that the president says that they take it as what's absolutely true and we go there that is a huge danger to every one of us because the a free press a free press uh is that it's free you can write whatever it wants supposed to do but what it has done traditionally in our country is that it has held people in powerful positions people whose power affects your life and my life and our children's lives it's people in power who have that kind of uh, effect on our lives. It holds them to account. When they say one thing and then do another, they get held to account. And that public pressure then builds up and things either have to change. The person has to leave, they get in trouble, they change what they were doing, they make an admission, whatever. When you have a press like we have that only fact checks one side, that accepts complete and total lies without checking into them uh, against one side and not the other in the face of absolute um, reasonable suspicion turns a blind eye to it then we have a, a faltering democracy this is a democracy uh, we're not a democracy we're a republic we are not a democracy uh, democratic process um, we are a country in decline this is how the decline begins. This is how nations fall into disarray. This is how they fall into chaos. This is how nations, great nations, historically have fallen because of corruption. And it's, it's a corrupt practice to not tell the truth. It's corrupt to not report the truth. It is corrupt to take sides when your mission is to hold power uh, accountable. And that's exactly what we're seeing in front of front of our very eyes here. So Devin Archer apparently came in and said that, uh, yes, Joe Biden absolutely knew about Hunter Biden's business dealings. He absolutely actually spoke to the Chinese. He spoke to the Ukrainians. He actually did the bidding of these people. And, and, and to get back to our, our congressman, our, our liberal congressman who came out after hearing the testimony, I have never seen somebody look so nervous in all my life. This guy looked like he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Uh, he, he was sweating. He, his eyeballs were shifting back. And his body language revealed absolute fear that, oh, my God, here I am. I'm supposed to be the one answering these questions. And he is just lying, lying, lying pretending that there was nothing. They, they have no evidence. There is zero evidence here. 
and that's absolutely not true. All right, my friends, listen, let's take a little break. When we come back, there's a lot more to talk about. We'll be back in a minute. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. So, you heard me cough once or twice at the beginning of our get-together today. And you're saying to yourself, gee, I wonder if Lieutenant Joe has a cold. Maybe it's one of those sinus infections he's always talking about that he used to get. No, it's not. I'll be honest with you. Uh, before I came into the studio today, I had some Doritos and a glass of water. And uh, I don't want to say I choked on one, but it went down the wrong pipe, as they say. You know what I mean? It was one of them real... Uh, one of the Doritos that had all the flavoring all over it, right? So it, you can really taste it, and it's really good. But then when I went to swallow it, it got caught in my throat, and I had to clear it out of my throat. So I apologize for that. I did not have a cold. I did not have a sinus infection because, that's right, uh, what my absolute belief is because of Healthy Cell. The Healthy Cell products that I've been taking, I take the uh, Immune Boost. I think it's excellent. Uh, so, no, I didn't have a cold. Uh, and I could still, I could still feel the Dorito. That's not the Dorito's fault. It's a delicious product. I like it. Uh, I just got it caught in my throat. But the uh, Healthy Cell products are products that help you sleep if you have a problem sleeping. They have a focus factor to help you think more clearly should you need to do that. And then they have one to, for your general health, which is the Immune Boost, which I, uh, I endorse 100% because I've been taking it for a couple years now and I have never felt better. So Healthy Cell, they're on the network here. Uh, if you're interested in helping yourself, go take a look. 
right, so in our, in our first half, the first half of our uh, joint venture today together, I was talking about the cult of personality and how that really affects Americans and and then looking at the the reason that we're seeing, you know, uh, pressure building up on the Bidens and, and the president with Devin Archer, Archer te- testifying is because he's bringing out facts now. And what we hear from everyone on the left, and this is so blatant, and you can see it in their body language and in their words, when they sit there and hear the exact same things that we just heard, that the guy says he was there. Joe Biden was on 20 phone calls with these people, totally disproving uh, Joe Biden's statement that he never knew anything about it, Uh, that they got millions of dollars uh, that were funneled around. We now hear that there are offshore bank accounts. We know that they have uh, 20 shell companies to move money around. Uh, all of the evidence on its face value is enough to say reasonable suspicion. Remember, we talked about that the other day. Reasonable suspicion, probable cause. It is It is really amping up the heat, and that's why uh, the White House changed uh, what they say about the president, knowing about what Hunter was up to. So, that is, that is going to build more. And, and if, the, if the media ever jumped in, and I don't mean just Fox News and America Out Loud, but if the, the general media, the rest of the media, uh, the fake news, as Trump calls them, if they were to be honest with everyone, take a look at uh, the evidence or the potential evidence or the, um, the suspicious factors and look at them and say, uh, something's going on here. And it deserves a closer look because it looks like crime. You, you could say whatever you want. That It looks like crime. If I looked at it and said, how many suspicious activity reports do the banks have on you? So a suspicious activity reporter, a SAR, a SAR uh, was developed because we were trying to keep track of a lot of cash uh, during the, the the height of the drug, the initial drug movement in the, in the uh, 70s and the 80s. So a SAR, anytime you were to deposit $10,000 of cash or more or receive cash wire transfers over $10,000, I think that's the number for wire transfer too, into your bank account, uh, a check is different. You get a check from your mortgage of $90,000 and you put it in there, you sell your house, whatever. Uh, we, the reason that they're not creating a suspicious activity report on that is because that's not suspicious. It came from a mortgage company. You sold the house. It's legitimate. We can track the money. When you put in $10,000 worth of cash, that cash could have come from anywhere. It could have come from street drug dealing. And that's why uh, the average person doesn't deposit $10,000 worth of cash. It's either maybe a business person who's running a all-cash business and they're putting in $10,000 uh, in a single deposit. Uh, and now they say, oh, well, how can you explain that? So that might generate a report. And then they would have, say, oh, I have a cash business. I sell hot dogs and I sell $20,000 of hot dogs a day. So I put in $10,000 in the bank and I kept 10000 whatever. The Bidens, Hunter Biden and his, his businesses, I'm, I'm going to try and remember the number, but it was over 150 SARS reports, suspicious activity reports, that they were getting money from all over the world, cash wire transfers, not business checks, cash wire transfers, 
uh, over the amount that people considered that might be something suspicious going on. We should take a look. And that's why I ask, how many do you have? How many, how many SARS uh, records are there of you in the banks? There are none for me, right? They had 150. How many um, shell companies do you have that don't actually make anything, don't actually do anything, don't provide any services, don't provide any goods or, or anything else? They're just a shell company that millions of dollars are moving through. How many of those do you have? I don't have any. Uh, so these are all suspicious-looking things. And that, that, hence, that's the saying, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. All this suspiciousness doesn't mean the Biden's doing anything wrong. They could be perfectly legitimate, but it doesn't look like it because this is not how legitimate businesses are run. This is not how anything legitimate takes place. So when our friends on the left come out and say, there's no evidence, there's absolutely nothing, they have nothing, they have no evidence at all, nothing whatsoever, they get nothing, they get, they get accusations, nothing. Uh, no, they have a ton of evidence. Uh, 20 shell companies, let's start there. What are the 20 shell companies for? What, let's look at each company. What does it do? Who runs it? What kind of business has it done? Uh, what does it sell? What do they move? What, let's see their bills of lading and all the stuff that they got going out, air conditioners, whatever it is that they're making or doing. There are 20 of them. So what are they all about? There's some evidence right there. You don't think that's suspicious? Well, you don't think it's suspicious if you're a stunad or if you're trying to cover something up. Then you don't, then it's nothing, it's nothing. 20 shell companies, who cares? Who cares? No, that's no big deal, right? Um, the, the, one of the things that came out last week or the week before was that the ex-mayor of Moscow had a meeting with the Bidens. They wanted something done and $3 million was wired to Hunter Biden a couple days later. How many, how many millions of dollars is the, the ex-mayor of uh, Moscow wiring to you, to your company, to you personally? Any, anything? Me? Nothing. They're not, she's not sending me any money. Why would she send it to Hunter Biden? Why would somebody who's one of our enemies, the Russians are our enemies, send this guy money? Why would the Chinese who you notice since the beginning, when Biden took over, Donald Trump was very, very tough on the Chinese. He saw them as an absolute rival, competitor, and enemy of America. And therefore, he took very, very strong action to put them on hold, to let them know, put them on notice, to hold them accountable, uh, that he put tariffs on them to slow them down. Uh, he tried to face them down around the world. Uh, he was very strong about all of this. The Bidens, on the other hand, Joe Biden gets in, and one of the first things he does is reverse the tariffs, which is a benefit to the Chinese and no benefit to the Americans. Why would he do that? Well, when you look and you see that his son is involved in all these business transactions with Chinese companies, many of them who are involved with the, uh, the Chinese military and the Chinese Communist Party, you know, the enemies of America, they are sending millions of dollars to the Bidens. That's called evidence. That might be what some of the SARS reports are about. The banks wouldn't release the SARS reports. Why is that? Here you have the Oversight Committee of the United States Congress looking into this, and they wouldn't release the SARS reports. The committee had to go around the back door and go through the banks instead of going through the government. Why wouldn't the government release them? 
if there's nothing there to worry about. They're called suspicious activity reports. And when you have a, a group, a governmental agency that is there for oversight, to look at things for suspiciousness, and you say, oh, well, we have these suspicious activity reports and we are inv uh, investigating suspicious activities, we should be able to look at them. Don't you think one agency would hand them to the other? Of course they would. That's the purpose of them being there. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't give them to them. Why would that be? Why would that be? Yeah, they're suspicious, but they're not for you to look at. They're just for us to look at. No, that's ridiculous. So all of this is taking place. The jeopardy for the Bidens is going up. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing everyone on the left really look ridiculous. Really look ridiculous in trying to defend what is obviously out in front of everybody's eyes. There's all kinds of corruption here. It is plain and as simple as that. And they got away with it because they had the media not reporting it. They had both houses of the government and the presidency protecting Joe Biden. They got the Department of Justice circling its wagons, going after his enemies, his political enemies, uh, indicting Trump on every single thing that they can. If all of us as Americans don't see this and say, no matter where you stand, this is bad. This is, you know, they, they, they keep, we keep hearing the term, it's like a banana republic. You say, well, we're not a banana republic. How can you say? What that means is, in places where they say they have a banana republic government, what they mean is that the politicians use the power of the government for their own good. They go after their enemies and they go after their rivals. And they use that power inappropriately to control things, to make things what they're not. All right, so this is where that term comes from, banana republic, because that goes on in a lot of these, these uh, third world countries where you have one person in charge one week, then there's a coup, they overthrow them, kill everybody, then somebody else comes in and they use all the power and take the money. That's why they're saying that. What we are witnessing in front of our eyes every day now is the absolute clear example of corruption at a level that may have gone on before, just we never saw it, but we now see it. And what makes it even worse is that even though we all see it, half of our country, half of our country, half the people in this country are ignoring it, making excuses for it, pretending it doesn't exist. Why is that? Well, you could say to yourself, what does it come down to? I heard a a theory the other day. Somebody said, well, this election, no matter what happens, this election is going to come down to the economy. That's what it's going to come down to. No matter what people think about anything else, it's going to come down to the economy. And when people realize, gee, under Trump, we didn't like the orange man, we didn't like what he said, but the economy was really good. Mortgages were at 2%. Gasoline was $2 a gallon. Uh, people had jobs. The economy was booming. Our military was strong. People around the world may not have liked that Mr. Trump uh, put them under pressure to do what they're supposed to do, like in NATO and pay their bills. But they did it, right? We kept Russia at bay because they knew this would be bad. Uh, they kept the Chinese at bay because they knew this would be bad. This guy will fight back. All those things actually took place. And half of our country, if the election were held today, half, if not more, would vote against their own best interest and the interest of their family 
because they cannot let Trump and the Republicans win. They can't give in. And it comes down to, I think, social issues, not the economy. It's going to come down to social issues. Now, I think this is a paradigm shift. If I look back through my life, uh, historically through my life, and Uncle Rush Limbaugh used to say all the time, people usually have perspective that starts the day they were born. They don't have historical perspective other than, well, since 1962 when I was born, uh, this is how the world's been. I try and look further back. And when I look back, I, I always see that the economy was the most important thing. You know, meat and potatoes on the table made a difference of who people voted for. Uh, and we, we always had different points of view, Republicans and Democrats. We always saw the world a little differently. Uh, sometimes we went Republican, sometimes we went Democrat. It, it was a back and forth. But we were all Americans. Everybody was an American. We had the same kinds of values, very close to each other's values. We had the same idea about right and wrong. We had the same idea about pride in America uh, and all of that. And, and what has changed is the cultural changes. The cultural changes now are the most important thing. Um, and if you don't think so, here's, here's the, one of, the, one of the, the hallmarks, I think, that or benchmarks that show this to me. In the 2022 elections, the economy was falling apart. Uh, the Chinese were rising. The Russians were attacking. Uh, interest rates were going crazy. We were having all kinds of problems. We had lockdowns. We had all kinds of uh, make, take the shot, take the shot. Now we're finding out that people are having serious heart problems. Uh, that a lot of what we were told was lies. Fauci was lying. Uh, a lot of this came to us. And all of that was coming to light. We saw that Trump was um, impeached twice for nonsense. Uh, we saw that there was the Russian hoax and it was all fake. And they were all in on it. All this evidence came to light. Everybody saw it, and we said, well, it's going to be an overwhelming election. That the smart men and women of America, in their own self-interest, are going to rise up, and they're going to throw out the Democrats that caused all this problem, bring in the Republicans, and give the Republican way a try. And that's all it ever is when you throw one side out for the other side. You're going to give the other side a try, that they're ideas sound reasonable at the moment, more reasonable than who's there now. We're going to throw these people out and we're going to try the Republican way because the last time we had them doing things, the economy was great, the military was strong, the Russians were held back, the Chinese were held back. We were all good, right? And what happened in the 2022 elections? Did that happen? No. Uh, there was no red wave of people outraged at the economic plight their country was put in, that the, the jobs were disappearing, that uh, things were costing so much money you couldn't afford it, that in, the, the, the inflation uh, made a, a bag of potatoes go from $5 to $12 and people can't afford that. No, none of that happened. None of that happened. Uh, the, the Democrats actually gained a seat in the Senate and the Republicans barely won enough to take control. And there are so many rhinos in the Republican Party that it's, you know, they, 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 they won in name only uh, that they control the Senate or the, uh, the House of Representatives. And that red wave never materialized. People did not vote for their own best interest based on economic indicators. What did they vote on? They voted on cultural issues. They want abortion there are loud enough people that want abortion. They want to be able to kill their babies when they want to. 
that they went out to the polls and said, no, we don't want this. We want to, we want to do this. And you know what? That's why we have, that's why we have elections. I may not agree with killing babies, but other people might, and they have a right to vote for that. But that kind of cultural thing uh, is, is what led people to the polls in 2022. And if we're sitting around thinking that, okay, now we've had two more years of this destroyed crime out of control with these left-wing idiotic policies about let criminals out and don't punish people because it's wrong that you punish people for committing crimes. They're just, it's just robbing and murdering and raping because they need things. You know, to, to see what has happened to our great cities, to see the economy still faltering and going downhill. 65% of people think it's, it's really bad to see all of that, to see the corruption of the Biden family right in front of your face and to have half the country still think, well, that's better than having the orange man back. I, I, it, that is shocking to me, but it proves the point. It's about the cultural issues more than it is about the economy. Now, maybe, maybe after you know another four years of Joe Biden, when you can't have the light bulbs you have, when they take your gas stove from you, when they make you ride an electric car you can't afford that can only go for 200 miles, uh, when they change all of these things for you, not for them. When they change all these things for you, when the taxes go through the roof, when you can't afford to sell your house or buy a house uh, or move, uh, when they do all these things to you for another four years, maybe you might see people say, I don't know, these people, oh, they're all about the red, white, and blue, and I hate America, but you know, maybe it's a better way to live uh, than the way we're doing things now. I don't know. That's um, maybe. That might be what happens. Um, and I know I sound pessimistic right now, and I don't mean to sound pessimistic. I'm trying to look at this clearly based on the facts. The fact that there was no red wave in the face of all of this, the fact that in, in what's blatant in front of our faces of what the president has been doing and his family has been doing to sell America out for their own personal uh, gain. And that's what it looks like. So therefore, like I said, I don't know that they did it. Maybe they didn't do it. But there is enough evidence, prima facie evidence, that we should have a serious investigation, a real investigation to find out. And the first place I would start was I'd look at them shell companies. I'd want to look at the books of those shell companies from the day that they opened and find out what they're buying and selling. What are they moving around? What are they doing? for their clients. I would put pressure on all of those companies. Uh, and of course, you'd have to have the Department of Justice be willing to do that. And right now, they're not going to. You know, uh, my father-in-law, Ted, who's our number one fan here, uh, and, a, and a huge fan of America Out Loud. You know, Ted comes from a generation when people argued, but they were honest. They stuck up for their side, and they made their case, but they were honest. And he's, he says constantly, how come nobody is doing anything about this? How come the Supreme Court don't step in here and say, this is wrong, and do something? And you try and explain that it's the people in power that would have to do that. Now, I think if we had on the ballot tomorrow that there should be um, something like, uh, what do we call it, uh, term limits for everybody in government. You can be a congressman for two terms and a senator for one term, 
and that's it, and then you're out. If they put that on the ballot, I think overwhelmingly people would vote for that. The people of the country would vote for that. But it's not up to the people of the country. It's up to the politicians who have the jobs that they don't ever want to leave uh, to put that up there. And they're never going to put it up. And we, the people, are sometimes so stupid, we don't put enough pressure on them. And how do you do that? You find candidates that say, well, listen, uh, I'm a Republican, and we like our Republican congressman, but he doesn't want to do term limits. I do. The first thing I do, if you put me in there, I'll do it. You get enough of them to say that, that's what we'll do. And you put those people in, you get rid of the other ones. They put in term limits. If we don't use the power of the vote, if we're not smart about how we vote when it comes to primaries and general elections, we're never going to be able to turn this around. And we would fall back on uh, what I said in a previous episode, that I think the America, the America we all thought about, grew up in, longed for, uh, the one we, we are trying so hard to fight for, I think is already gone. I don't know that it comes back. I I don't know if you can look at the history of the world, of great civilizations, and watch them as they as they start, as they start to grow, as they rise, as they as they reach the height of their uh, existence, and then they turn around and they start to decline, and that decline never really stops. It 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 ends, and then then something changes. The the government changes. The the way of life changes. the whole basis changes. We've been around for 240-something years, um, and we have reached our height, and we are now declining. We, have, we, we celebrate celebrity instead of celebrating quality. We celebrate um, coarseness instead of kindness. We celebrate hypocrisy if it benefits us. We celebrate corruption if it works in our favor, right? There was a time when everyone had to agree somebody's corrupt and gee, might be my guy, but boy, he's corrupt, gotta go. Not anymore. Those days are gone. Um, And as much as many of us would like to bring that back, we don't necessarily have the mechanism. We don't have the power. Government is now all powerful. This is antithetical to what the forefathers envisioned when they created the Constitution and put our country together. They did not want us to be in this place. Ronald Reagan, the great Rinaldus Magnus, he said, uh, what was his, uh, I'm going to quote him as close as I can, we're all but one generation away from losing our freedoms. I think if we look, that's pretty clear, we are easily one generation away now from losing everything about America. Our young people believe that socialism is a better way to go than capitalism. The majority of them do, and they're going to be in power in the next 10 or 15 years. They're going to be the big voting blocks, um, and they're going to vote for socialism. They're already voting for it. We have half the country that will not vote in their own self-interest. We have uh, an estimate 60% of the country would vote for Michelle Obama because they like her, even though her policies would totally destroy this country. So we have to say to yourselves, pragmatically, what does the future look like? And that was why I asked that question a few episodes ago. What's the next America? Because the one we're we're, we're trying so hard, we're trying to hang on to so desperately, I think is already gone. I don't think that genie goes back in the bottle. Does that mean we can't have something just as good? I'm not going to be a pessimist and say no. Uh, 
Uh, does that mean we cannot turn things around? I guess we could. That's the American spirit. We can. The problem we have, and this is my point about we don't have the power, when we see how the last election went, right? When we see how the last election went, rules were changed at the last minute. Illegal changes in rules were made. All kinds of the shenanigans that went on. No, nothing could be proved because nobody actually investigated any of them. But besides that, uh, all those shenanigans, they're going to go on again. We have had four years since that most horrific election. If nothing else, that should have told us we have got to fix this immediately. And that should have been the focus of everybody in government to fix our voting system. And it has not been fixed. It is just as broken. We can anticipate the exact same things, if not more things happening going forward. Right? We can anticipate in the future more lockdowns because we've already done them. We've given government, the vampire of government, the taste of blood to say, we can shut everything down. We can control everything. We control when the election happens. If we're in power, we can make the rules. Right? We control the media. That'll be the messaging. And the messaging, if people don't hear about it, they're not outraged about it. It's all good. The other side's liars. I heard it on the news. Right? So, my friends, we have a lot of things to consider. We have a lot of things to consider. But the fact that right in front of our face, we are seeing probably one of the most corrupt governments I have ever seen, not only in my lifetime, but historically. Uh, and there have been some bad ones. Uh, but this is the first one that's right out in front, on the TV every single day, and half our country doesn't see it, doesn't want to see it, or is too stupid to see it. So on that happy note, let's remember, when it comes to us, do the right thing out there, right? Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Think hard, be prepared to vote, and make your case to your friends and family about why they need to act in their own self-interest, what is better for them down the road. Four more years of this or something different. You have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.